African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Good day, everybody. Thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. It's where you get the African perspective. Thank you for joining us on Shortwave, on our DSTV, Poké Channel 802. And if you're listening to us uh, on our website, remember we're on www.channelafrica.co.za. What a big year this has been. A lot of shifts that have been taking place, not only globally, but continentally. We've seen so many things that have happened this year. We know that uh, when you just focus on the DRC, itself there's been a lot of issues that were very dominating this year really focused on one country on the african continent we know the ebola crisis was ravaging the country once again and uh, we know that uh, uh, jean-pierre bemba's return to the drc was also interesting especially after his case uh, was muddled up at the icc and uh, we've also had the world cup the death of kofi annan there's so many stories on the african continent that took place south africa's debate on land expropriation and when the list goes on when you look at the african continent the the re revisioning of Mozambique. Is it new or is it just a retrospective old guard that is still there uh, with the current president, Nangagwa still in the seat there? We saw Robert Mugabe being uh, sidelined by the uh, ZANU-PF. So a whole lot of things have been taking place uh, this year. Uh, We know Sierra Leone had a new president. Currently, we know Madagascar is still on its journey in terms of its democracy. We know tomorrow uh, the two leading figures in the country will be going head in head in the elections taking place in Madagascar. So, so much has been happening. I've got Nixon, who's with me here, and uh, one of our colleagues here at Channel Africa. And we're going to discuss with other uh, guests as they come in from the news desk here at Channel Africa, really about uh, uh, the big stories on the African continent this year. Nixon, thank you for coming through and thank you for giving us your time. Thanks for having me on the show once again. Oh, it's always fantastic having you here. Uh, for you, I mean, at your desk, I know DRC is very central in terms of what you do, issues of the, uh, Kenya as a country, uh, Tanzania, uh, a little brief. You do also look at other parts of the continent, but those three countries have been very central in your news desk. Tell us a little bit about the stories that stuck out for you. I know you're also very much a man who, who loves looking at the DRC. Indeed, apart from the DRC, we look at Kenya and the broader East African regions, and uh, more especially, there have been issues that have happened in that particular regions, uh, both politically and economically as Mm. well. So, it is so amazing that within a year, so much have happened in that region. And we begin in Kenya, Mm. just in January, where Mm. uh, immediately after the uh, August uh, 2017 elections Richards. in Kenya where mm. you see for the first time in African history a presidential candidate uh, vo- you know uh, 
swearing himself mm. in as a mm. as a people's president and not not only uh, taking uh, off of office but a uh, twisted off of office which was quite an interesting part mm. in terms of politics and talking about owing, owing mm. to the politics in that country particularly in Kenya sure. and uh, the changes that uh, happened there of and i mean the government and and the, the opposition sort of got into um uh, discussions and uh, and the pacts were made and mm. now you see a new approach to politics in kenya mm. and then not only that in south sudan as well let's stay with kenya a little bit do you think the current um butting heads between uhuru kenyatta and Raila Odinga has been resolved or do you see it filtering into the new year, those contentions? Those contentions uh, are, we are likely to filter in the new year, mm. given the fact that uh, there are already some political quarters in Kenya, especially aligned to the deputy president, William Ruto, have been asking that a new approach uh, which the Kenyatta government is taking in the fight against corruptions are targeting sort of uh, the Kalenjin community. Mm. And uh, that's a smacks a issue of, uh, you know, ethnicity yeah. and, uh, uh, you know, tribalism in Kenya, mm. which has been a sort of a bedrock of Kenyan politics sure. going forward. And sure. we see those uh, time and again coming up in how uh, these two people engage, you know, uh, Kenyatta at one time calling um, Raila Odinga Zemgruk, in other words, <laughs> a stranger, wow. you know. Uh, and uh, uh, just recently, Kenyatta visiting uh, Kisumu, which is the bastion of um, Raila Odinga and uh, the broader uh, Luo community. So sort of an impress, but I'm afraid that when... Kenya goes to the national elections again. These are likely; these are issues are, that are likely to emerge because there are some quarters within the politics of that country who see that the deal was done for political expediencies mm. for the elite to sanitize themselves and sure. to try to protect their interests and so on. So th- there are so much that is happening in that country that we are likely to see mm. going forward into the general elections that are supposed to happen in 2022. You were going to South Sudan before I interrupted you there. Indeed, South Sudan is another interesting case where um, Riyak Masha and uh, Salva Kiir finally got into an agreement. And as we speak, he's now in Juba Mm. as one of the four vice presidents, according to the Igad Brokad peace deal. Uh, but uh, there is uh, an interesting part into that particular uh, region uh, of the continent where you see again within South Sudan, Salva Kiir being appointed as a mediator between the government of Sudan mm. and the rebel group, particularly in those in Darfur and South Kordofan. Mm. And that gives an interesting a picture of where sort of a diplomatic rapprochement between uh, the, the north and the south uh, both which uh, have been countries that were at war for a long time leading up to the independence of South Sudan and uh, Machar uh, um, a lot of people might know this that uh, Machar before joining the, uh, the SPLM mm. uh, you know under John Garang he was pretty much a friend to to Al, uh, al-Bashir in, uh, in South Sudan. In Sudan. Mm. So I, is it because of that friendship that uh, Sudan played the... Crit- we know Al-Bashir actually came in and intervened 
before we saw that um, mediation process unfolding. Do you think he played an important role there? Exactly. That's what we we try to understand. Is it because of that long-term friendship between uh, Riyak Machar and uh, Al-Bashir that plays a a part in the current uh, situation between the two countries and uh, leading up to the peace process that we see, uh, relative stability. But also within that country, you will see that there is a new uh, political dynamics, especially when it comes to um, the, 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 the U.S. Uh, role in, uh, in the negotiation processes, mm. but in the political process within the two countries. Uh, at the same time, you see the U.S. Rappro- diplomatic rapprochement between Sudan and uh, and uh, and uh, and uh, and uh, and the the United States, where actually Sudan was considered as a sort of this pariah state yeah, sure. in, in terms of uh, U.S. list of uh, terror, uh, you know, terror sponsors, mm. and uh, Al Bashir having been indicted by the ICC for the uh, crime committed in the Darfur regions. Mm has not been a, a talk sure, after this sure, diplomatic sure. rapprochement. So there are so much more and you can elaborate more and that also alluded to the to the, the entire region going to Ethiopia and mm. uh, then eventually Somalia mm. and uh, the Somali, uh, you know, Eritrea, mm. uh, Ethiopia as well. Mm. So th- there's quite a lot that has happened this, uh, sure. in this region. Okay, I want us, well, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I'd like us to look at the DRC because it's a big talking point now, especially we know that we're expecting the... Um, elections just in a few days and what's worrying about that was the burning of that um, electoral commission building sure and where there was a loss of those uh, electoral machines which everyone has been arguing that initially they were not actually the right kind of machines to actually make sure this elections is trusted by whether observers or uh, by the people of uh, the drc itself and also the stepping down of joseph kabila people say he's appointed this new man as a as like almost the puppet that he's going to string along is that true we'll, we'll look at the drc and what it actually um faced this year we know the ebola crisis was another issue in the drc that actually even made the political conversation more uh, complex in terms of getting things done let's sure. take a quick break we'll be done after this Swiss chocolate wouldn't be Swiss chocolate without African cocoa. <laughs> you know, it's funny when you think about it that way because you realize just how important Africa is to the global economy. And as long as we are deemed to be inferior by the community out there, nothing's ever going to change. I believe it's one of the uh, ancient Greek philosophers who said that when we teach, we'll learn twice. Hello, Africa. Welcome to 1000 African Voices on Channel Africa. 1000 African Voices every Saturday morning at 9am with repeats on Sundays between 10 and 11 as well as on Monday morning between 3 and 4 Central African Time 1000 African Voices with me, Awurengwi C on Channel Africa the voice of the African Renaissance from an African perspective 
All right, thank you for joining us right here on uh, Channel Africa. Uh, you listening to us uh, right here on our various platforms on Shortwave, on DSTV 802, and also if you're streaming us live on www.channelafrica.co.za, you can get us there. I think our guys are really busy today in the newsroom, and we're going to see if we can get uh, political analysts. I think we've got Dr. Shingai Mutizo Mangiza from the University of the Western Cape, who's been very much central in a lot of the conversations that we've been trying to analyze from a continental level and he's been very faithful in many situations where we needed his commentary so it's great to have dr shingai speaking to channel africa because on the different platforms he's been someone who's been speaking very much assisting us in terms of analysis and politics uh dr uh shingai thank you for giving us your time no thank you so much benjamin and uh Good uh, morning to our listeners. Now, look, I mean, we've been discussing just the big story so far, and uh, we've touched on the Kenya political situation. Uh, We've touched on uh, uh, South Sudan and and the political agreement there. Um, Also, we've been looking at... uh, thinking of going and looking at the DRC this year, which was a very interesting country in terms of just uh, the different challenges it had. And now moving into the elections just in a few days, uh, we can actually retrospect on the DRC, Doctor. Yes, we we can. Um, As you all know, Benjamin, I mean, uh, the DRC, uh, there's been a great deal of anticipation in regards to the forthcoming polls. the incumbent, uh, Joseph Kabila, is actually uh, has essentially completed his two terms. Um, this election, as you know, comes some close to 24 months late, as he was supposed to have completed his term in December of 2016. So there has been uh, a great deal of um, anticipation and uh, you know concern as to the actual outcome of the poll. Uh, as you can recall, um, his uh, in 2017, in early 2017, um, his failure uh, to exit or to depart uh, power actually precipitated, um, you know, a spate of violence within the capital of Kinshasa. And so there had been, um, you know, uh, some fears a few, a few months prior, you know, as to whether he was going to actually honour. You know uh, his, um, you know his pledge with the opposition um, alliance at the time mm-hmm. that he would step down, provided that you know they allowed him, you know, gave him that eighteen-month uh, period to do so. So I think now that we have kind of, um, you know, we've come to that point, the end of the finish line. I think um, it is fair to say that this is a turning point, uh, you know, within uh, the TRC's history as. Uh, the incoming president, whether it be Feli Chisekedi or Emmanuel Ramazani, um, will essentially herald, you know, uh, the second, only the second mm-hmm. time in the in the DRC's history that they have had a peaceful, or should we say, um, a democratic transfer of power. Mm. What are your thoughts in terms of of that, uh, uh, Nixon? Um, do, do you think that this process will be legitimate? Because there's a lot of questions around the legitimacy, especially after the burning of the buildings I mentioned before, the break and uh, the destruction of uh, the election equipment. Um, that's worrying because it comes at a very strange time. Indeed, it is worrying, Benjamin, and for our listeners, perhaps we need to look back at how this 
processes have been unfolding and it doesn't inspire really confidence of credibility into the elections and that is the worry of everyone. Um, you, the in electoral commission which was supposed to actually uh, do the much needed um, you know uh, voters uh, educations has done so uh, they have introduced a new machine which is a voting machine in a, in Congolese court as it's called machine a volé uh, which is <laughs> loosely translated in english uh, machine uh, to vote to actually rig the elections and and uh, th- that so is that a term that's created by maybe the population in the country where it, does that phrase come from it would created by the people themselves wow. because if you talk to the local people they are those in the drc who haven't seen a computer before and now for the first time they are going to vote with the a voter's machine uh, which does not exist in the electoral law of the country so that raises the questions on how these elections are going to happen and uh, the circumstances and uh, you raise the issue of the machine being banned in kinshasa but i should mention that the the situation or where the logistics uh, of the electoral commissions are are found actually in the vicinity of 100 meters from the presidential guard headquarters and the those machines were guarded by the republican guard so the one wonders why at a critical moment that the elections are coming mm-hmm. those voter machine were actually banned mm-hmm. in a, such a highly highly secured area Okay, I want us to wrap it up with the DRC, um, uh, Dr. Shingai, um, because it, it is a complicated thing, this DRC issue, because a lot of people would say, well, Joseph Kabila has finally decided to step down here, uh, but people saying that his successor, that he's individually selected, uh, could be a puppet on strings. Yes, uh, I think very much so. And um, just to complement what my my fellow interlocutor was saying, was that yes, there is uh, a great deal of uh, concern in regards to you know the transparency uh, of the election, not just in as far as the electoral process itself, but also in as far as the the actual independence of the candidate. Now, Emmanuel Ramazani Shadari, uh, what from what we know is that he is the preferred. Uh, candidate or successor of uh, Joseph Kabila, um, it is yet as, it is as yet unclear as to what sort of influence um, Kabila will you know will yield uh, behind the scenes. Um, one would assume that, given the resources, uh, monetary and otherwise, that at least for the foreseeable future, should Mr. Shadari uh, succeed, mm. um, he would likely have. Uh, you know, for a period of time, be you know uh, under the influence, uh, presumably of uh, under of Mr. Kabila. You know, based on the access to resources, you know, uh, access to obviously uh, broadcasting rights, etc., and you know, and that sort of thing. So I think there is that concern as to whether this election will actually mark a break or will it be a continuity, mm. you know, more of the same, the same policies and the same kind of thing. So I think. You know, there is definitely uh, people. Are, there is, you know, definitely a right to be sort of concerned as to, 
Mm. uh, what the actual election heralds. Sure. Okay, let me take another quick break. And when we come back, I'd like us to look at a big news item, which was Zimbabwe continues to be an African narrative. Every year, this country seems to be an international interest, especially this year. We saw uh, the death of Morgan Changirai. We saw um, a new president, Mnangaga. We saw the exiting of uh, Robert Mugabe. Uh, So we'll deal with that after this quick break. Welcome to Change Your Game on Channel Africa, the African perspective. We are coming to you from Johannesburg, right here in South Africa. I'm Asanda Beda, your host. Change Your Game, the program that promotes open discussion and social dialogue as we highlight real issues in the African entrepreneurship ecosystem. Trevor Mumba now joins us in studio to talk about his entrepreneurial and personal journey. Welcome to Change Again, Trevor. Thank you so much. Um, it's an honor to be here. Palesa Mukubong, who's a designer. Welcome, Palesa, to Change Your Game. Thank you. Your role at the fourth annual Fashion Without Borders event? I just know that I need to arrive and, and, <laughs> okay. and do my part and do it really, really well. Hey, it's December. It's been a very long year this year, especially for Africa. And now today, we just want to look back at the year, look at the top stories of this particular year, because so many things happened. But you wanted to respond uh, to uh, Dr. Shingai Nixon before we go to the Zimbabwe story. Indeed, uh, the issue that I wanted to raise with Dr. Shingai is that uh, we will be doing a disservice to not talk about the regional issues that informs the DRC elections and uh, the broader security issues that unbedveil that country, particularly in the East, where uh, actually there have been rebel groups in places like Beni, we have been reporting about it in day and night. I mean, that informs you how much stakes are high in going towards these elections. Already uh, there was a confrontation about two days ago between the DRC army and the Rwandan army and close to five soldiers were injured in that skirmishes and uh, two Rwandan soldiers were killed on a part of Rwanda where uh, the Rwanda accused the DRC of harboring uh, FDLR and uh, the same trends happen in uh, south of Rwanda where uh, in, in a place called the uh, Nyungwe Forest on the border of Rwanda and Burundi where Rwanda is accusing um, uh, Burundi for harboring its rebels. So uh, you have a, a sort of regional issues that are happening. Um, at around June there were um, FNL uh, rebels fighting uh, Burundian soldiers on the Congolese soil actually in a South Kivu province in a, in a place in a, in, a, in a mountain in Fizi. So going, leaving that out of the broader question of the elections, the DRC and the politics in the regions, uh, you know, will it be a, a, a determining factor on a, a peace processes in the DRC, but not only the DRC, but a region as well. Because, again, if you look at the east, where Uganda also is amassing its troop on the border between the DRC and Uganda, quote unquote, the generals have asked President Museven to ready himself to to deal decisively with the ADF and we know that ADF took another turn in fighting at night. Now the question is raised where do the ADF fight at night especially with the night uh, vision equipment which are 
uh, not meant for for conventional war like your guerrilla war but rather for highly sophisticated sophisticated technological advancement within armies so the region is under tensions the m23 going back to the drc as we speak and uh, that will form the so election and the entire region at large because you know the issues of Kagame you know mm. pointing at the DRC and uh, Burundi mm. as a potential threat Threats, then yeah. uh, you know even very recently even mm. recently mm. then uh, those diplomatic skirmishes between mm. Rwanda and Uganda and on the broader East African community mm. Mm. Uh, you have uh, issues that we are going to watch going mm. towards 2019 and, and these are issues mm. that have reformed but mm. not also forgetting the international political uh, aspect into mm. these uh, broader issues of the Great Lakes region, not only the DRC. Because, as because we are, I mean, as we speak, in Donald Trump has spoken about yeah, actually recalling yeah. some of the uh, UN peacekeeping um, donations that they're making as a uh, government into uh, the in, into these peacekeeping efforts. And not only that, the critical question is what is read by uh, Donald Trump or on his special advisor on security matters, mm. Bolton, Ambassador Bolton, saying that they need to counter China and Russia's influence mm. in Africa. And where is the departing point is the DRC. Okay, let's let's quickly move on from the DRC. I don't want us to get stuck there because I know that's one of your your passions, uh, uh, Nixon. Um, I want us to look at this year. We had a lot of new presidents. Well, South Africa had their own president. Is uh, uh, Jacob Zuma, the former president, was recalled. Zimbabwe had a, a very similar kind of disposition to South Africa, where also we saw the ousting of Robert Mugabe and Nangagwa taking over after the elections. Uh, let me come to you, Dr. Shingai. Did anything stand out for you, especially in uh, Zimbabwe this time around? It seems like everyone uh, is kind of claiming this new dawn, South Africa, and the Zimbabwean president kind of trying to reshape the image of these two countries. What are your thoughts, especially around the Zimbabwe context? Thank you, Benjamin. Um, as you know, of course, uh, Zimbabwe for the last um, 37 years had been under the firm grip of uh, former President Robert Gabriel Mugabe. Now, with his ouster in uh, November last year, I think um, there was a sense um, of hope, um, particularly, you know, this idea, the prospect of uh, a new future, the idea that, you know, um, you know, with the once Mugabe was out of power, that there would be a swift re-engagement with the international community, uh, you know, the removal of some of the most uh, contentious pieces of legislation, etc., and uh, and probably uh, a desecuritization uh, of the state, as it were. Um, now. The one of the challenges, or has been that, although there has been uh, a change uh, in leadership, this has not heralded uh, a change in regime, so to speak. Mm. And by that, I mean in terms of the the modes of governance and the style of governance have not radically departed uh, or changed that much. Um, one of the most contentious issues, I think, that lies at the heart of Zimbabwean politics is rather the actually the implementation of the institution. Now, there are several 
um, several parts of the, constitu- of the Constitution which have not actually been affected. One is devolution. Now, for there to have been a fundamental change in governance, one, there need to be a decentralization of the state, uh, or rather governance, by devolving power down to the provincial and to local authorities. I think that would have gone a long way to sort of uh, alleviate uh, to relieve the the national government of the burden of having to try and resolve uh, all the the many pressure the many uh, government challenges. So that's one aspect. The other aspect, of course, I think, is in uh, despite the election, um, you know, again, and this was again a watershed election in the sense that it was the first election in 20 years that you did not have Robert Mugabe or the late Morgan Changirai on the ballot. I think again, this also uh, elicited uh, a great sense of hope. You know, amidst mm. obviously the you know the seemingly free environment, um, it has now been a, a, you know a few months, and despite obviously the violence that characterised it, uh, I think fundamentally um, the real issues with Zimbabwe are still mm. the mm. economic issues. Uh, you know, you've got serious liquidity mm. challenge, uh, mm. liquidity crisis. You know, um, you've got a fuel crisis. So I think really. Uh, in as much as there's been this change in political leadership, mm. uh, at the heart of uh, of everything is the there has to be some sort of resolution of the economic challenges. Now, whether the administration chooses to partner with the opposition within this um, remains to be seen. Mm. Mm. But I think, um, for me, the you know the far more important things you know is the economic thing. So, although there's been a change of leadership. Mm. would like to see a change in approach towards the economy. Okay, I'm, I'm running out of time. Let's move on to South Africa with you, um, Nixon. Um, Cyril Ramaphosa's ascendance to his ruling. Um, he's been a very interesting kind of president with his Tumamina um, mantra and motto and uh, his uh, investment drive has been something that's very big. He started the World Economic Forum, started running there, went took a delegation to the United States, come back at a business forum, even uh, within South Africa, uh, trying to get even inside investors to actually um, deal with this drive that he's been uh, trying to push. What are your thoughts around that? It's also because in his reign, you've seen very blatantly uh, the the factions making kind of a public presentation and it's no longer separate on who's actually on the Zuma uh, faction and who is on the uh, Cyril, uh, you know, faction. We now know who's who in the zoo. <laughs> it's very interesting because what, you, what we actually see in South Africa is uh, pretty much uh, the, the politics of the ANC playing out itself at a national level. And, uh, you know, with the interesting nine years of uh, former President Jacob Zuma and the the kind of political patronage that were created during his time being undone now uh, under the theme of Tumamin and the rejuvenation of the decision of the state, I think that will be an interesting pattern, a part of the presidency of uh, uh, Cyril Ramaphosa. But the critical issue here that we need to look at is how does that trickle down to the masses of South Africans? Um, we have seen unemployment raising so high and the company getting under liquidation. Uh, that is, shows much that there, there is a desire to rec- 
think how this African economy work and how the entire political system work and uh, it will take time for President Ramaphosa really to uh, you know deal with such uh, issues because much of the issues that are happening in this country are more not only as a political issue but as structural issues owing to the history of this country and the apartheid legacy at large. All right, I want us to look at very interesting presidents uh, that uh, came to the forefront. I think one that actually stands really out there is the new president of uh, Liberia. That was an interesting one. Um, we also saw um, the new president of Sierra Leone, Julius Madabio. What are your thoughts of the, the new kind of, um, I don't know if it's the new kind of African president that's coming out. I think Cyril was also interesting. Also to see some of the approaches by the current uh, president in uh, Angola uh, was also interesting to see him actually remove uh, some of uh, the former president's children from uh, state peristatals and their um, positions were actually compromised there due to his decisions. Uh, Let's let's end this conversation on the presidents that we saw being instated this year or put in place this year. Uh, Nixon, what are your thoughts around that before uh, we wrap it up with uh, Dr. Shingai? I think uh, there is a new sort of uh, thinking uh, on the political issues on the African continent. As you, you've spoken about different issues, and these presidents they come from various regions of mm. the continent. Uh, for instance, George Weah is the uh, first African indigenous president to rule Liberia, wow. uh, owing to his history, because it, Liberia, you know, that have a slave history mm. of a uh, freed slave. Mm. And uh, those took a precedence in terms of the ruling elite of that country that for the first time, George Way is coming out, uh, not, you know, from the so well-known yeah. political elite, mm-hmm. but also coming up with the new policies of changing, uh, you know, the lives of the people and uh, trying to focus on the youth mm-hmm. and the different, um, you know, political decision that he has made so far and uh, we see that uh, coming across the regions in Angola with Joao Lorenzo you know departing from uh, what people much thought that he will be going uh, with uh, uh, former president uh, Jose Eduardo Santos's policies but unfortunately he has (laughs) completely turned out to be a different man and uh, does it give hope for the continent? Uh, I'm yet skeptical because mm. of the nature of international politics and uh, you see Africa becoming sort of a, a new a, a new a new uh, facing a new front. Mm. Uh, you have a major political power in terms of international political economics a, a kind of a sort of rediscovering or, mm. or not coming uh, aggressively towards the continent mm. and uh, how like a, those uh, like a post form of yes, colo- recolonization yes mm. post form of recolonization you mm. have uh, these uh, political international players mm. you you saw um, uh, Antila Marco visiting mm. Ghana mm. Uh, you know France uh, uh, with Emmanuel Macron coming mm. to the West African region the German Chancellor uh, uh, Germany Chancellor so that tells you much mm. the urge of you know of resources and with the new technological advancement mm. so how these new presidents are mm. going to lead the continent mm. will it de- will determine the mm. course of 
the continent going forward. Dr. Shingai, in terms of presidents, the new presidents and how they look, what are your thoughts around that? Yes, I think we can talk about uh, new presidents in the sense that I think there is this, um, there's a realization that there is a need to sort of uh, clean up the, the image. I think, uh, unfortunately, you know, over the decades, uh, we rightly or wrongly had acquired this notion or this reputation as having been a continent that has been poorly governed. And I, I think the, you know, the rise of people like Joao Lorenzo and um, President Bayo in Sierra Leone and uh, George Ware in Liberia is this idea of trying to create or trying to really forge a new path, you know, one that, uh, a leadership that is responsible, one that also recognizes uh, its civic duty to the population. And uh, so I think there is a concerted attempt on that part to try and get the systems right and to try and also get the politics right. Um, now, in response to my interlocutor's point, I think there is something to be said, and is that um, uh, these new leaders will have to, of course, um, really be very, uh, operate very stealthily in the way they deal with our international partners. Um, as he has rightly pointed out, we seem to be undergoing a second scramble for Africa. I mean, of course, this is largely in reaction to the ever-increasing presence of China here. And, of course, possibly the emergence of the BRICS formation as an alternative to the mm. traditional Western uh, you know, alliances. Mm. that we have been used to dealing with. And sure. so I think there's, there's an, a sense that um, we ha- they are going to have to obviously tread very carefully and mm. also have a much more long-term outlook and in as far as how our countries, you know, how African countries can actually benefit by engaging in some of these um, or, or getting engaging in some of these um, relationships and some of these multilateral uh, agreements mm. that um, you know, uh, you know, that we are being brought towards it. And well, so I think we've run out of time, gents. I have to say, and I have to cut you off because we could go on and on and on in this kind of a program. And I don't think we've been, been scraped uh, a piece of so many things of what happened this year in uh, in the continent. So we have to leave it there. Uh, thank you, Nixon, for coming through. Thank you for your assistance. Uh, thank you to Dr. Shingai Mutizo Mangiza. We'll be having a second edition of this tomorrow, just because we can't look at everything in one day. 